Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, Michigan State finally got some shots to fall in the second half against Duke on Tuesday night, but it wasn't enough to overcome yet another sluggish start as the Spartans fell to 1-2 and two on the young season. It's definitely not the start anyone was looking for after an offseason filled with high expectations, but it is still only November, and as we know, everything Tom Izzo does is with an eye toward March. We will discuss the good, bad, and the ugly from the Champions Classic and check in with MSU football on episode 127 of MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on Wednesday, November 15th, 2023. Matt, what's up? Hope Columbus was nice. Uh, I, I know you are the you are the master of meat smoking on this podcast, so I, I've been wondering, I've been thinking about it all week. Are you the guy in charge of the Thanksgiving turkey this year? Uh, no, I've only ever actually done a turkey myself once, and that was traditional in the oven, and I have been so lazy, I have not used the smoker once this year. Oh, man. Got too busy with the regular grill and the uh, the Blackstone's been my new. Uh, oh, I gotta come over and check out your Blackstone sometime. Man. Yeah, I'm interested. Fancy. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it man, they travel. I taken it. I took it up north uh, once this uh, summer. Maybe once the football season is over, you'll have a little more time to uh, get creative there as the pit master on the pod. Uh, but Kyle, what's up? How was Chicago? Uh, Chicago was excellent. Uh, as Matt knows, I pulled a, um, excellent rental car, a, uh, nice Mercedes. Uh, so got to cruise around in a luxury car there, um, there and back, which made the trip much better. Um, and, uh, yeah, got to watch some, well, once I got to watch good, I wish I could have watched that second game, but, um, got to watch a good half of basketball at least. I thought I got lucky with the, I'm used to the upgrades. I got a, Acadia with less than 10,000 miles on it for Columbus. I thought I had a score and then Kyle breaks out the Mercedes. Although I will say for some reason I got my bill from budget and I was only charged $43. So I'm not sure why, but uh, for three day rental, but uh, because it's a budget, Matt, it's a budget, you know, it's the budget rental. Now, Kyle, are you one of these guys who, who like just hates driving in Chicago or are are you cool with it? No, I, I I don't I don't mind. It doesn't matter um, to me. Shout out to shout out to Nick Davis. He he hooked me up. But I, I had a very exciting morning though. I, I actually I booked a a valet lot, which I never done before, which is the cheapest thing on Spot Hero. Um, but I got to walk up to a valet this morning and, and hand him the check and say it, it's the black Mercedes. <laughs> so only time in my life I'll ever be able to do that. So I'm I'm basking in that a little bit. Kyle is feeling himself this morning, that's for sure. Uh, but yeah, Michigan State uh, obviously loses in the Champions Classic to Duke, 74-65. You know, played pretty quality, I would say, in the second half overall. But the the, the shooting woes continued in the first half. And, and kind of, you know, when Duke was sort of feeling itself out and kind of the young freshmen were starting to settle in and they were sloppy early on there, Michigan State just really couldn't take full advantage because of the shooting slump that had extended into the third game of the season here. Um, but, you know, Michigan State, I guess, at least did come out with some pretty good defensive intensity last night, Kyle. Yeah, I thought the first 15, 20 minutes, um, they were really, really good defensively. I, I mean, I think Duke had 
eight shots in the first 10 minutes. Um, and some of that was them being disjointed. I'm not sure Michigan State caused all those travels. It felt like there were about 10 of them. But, um, you know, Kyle Filipowski, I think, had 15 points on 15 shots. Um, you certainly take that, given the caliber of player that he is. Um, and, yeah, it just felt like a waste because um, it felt like both teams – I hope this isn't like a Michigan State-centric tape, but it felt like both teams weren't scoring well. It felt like – Michigan State was missing decent shots and was causing Duke mostly to to not play well. You know what I mean? So it's like they had an opportunity there, I thought, to be up double digits and instead were down um, double digits going into halftime. And um, Jay Nakins not being able to hit wide open corner three-pointers. Um, A.J. Hogard just not being able to finish anything at the rim. Um, uh, just just the same old stuff from the last couple games. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about the second half. I thought they came out a lot better, but um, they had a chance to really jump on Duke, and you don't often have a chance to really jump on Duke, uh, and they missed it. Yeah, and Duke has a more, you know, they do have some veterans, some some second, third-year players this year, but they rely on freshmen quite a bit, and you know, you're probably, you know, these freshmen these days, you know, they, in the circuits, they play in some pretty big arenas, and they play in, some, in front of some pretty big atmospheres, but still, uh, you're on national TV, you're a bunch of people watching, you're playing Michigan State, and you know those freshmen are going to take a little bit. And you could see early on Duke's offense was very stagnant. It was a lot of, you know, what the kids call hero ball, dribbling around. Uh, Michigan State was staying in front of guys. They were switching well. They were making it difficult for Filipowski early on. And, yeah, they just couldn't take advantage. And you know, you just knew, Kyle, when Duke starts making shots in the second half and you fall behind, it was going to be hard for Michigan State to continuously get – stops when you're playing against a team filled with five stars. So it's just going to be hard to hold them down long enough. So you really want to take advantage of that early on. But, you know, I guess, you know, Michigan State, the shooting, the wide open shots, Tom Izzo talked about it. I mean, you, what more can you do? He talks about it being his job to get them open shots. They had them. They're not making them. I don't really know what else to, to say other than they just got to make the shots. Started to go down in the second half, but – it's such an enigma because this team we've talked about, it was third in the country shooting threes last year, obviously having a four man that shoots over 40% is going to help with that. But this team should not be missing these wide open looks. And you have to wonder if it's just mental at this point. I, I do think it's gotten to the point where, where you do wonder that. Um, but, but I did think they could have done a couple of things to help themselves do it. Um, Duke, if you noticed, couldn't score out of the gate. And they really seemed to shift to trying to get to the free throw line. And they did that and they hit their free throws. Um, maybe a few questionable calls. You know, I tweeted about the free throw disparity and and I wasn't trying to say that like that was all the officiating. I thought there were some some questionable ones, but I thought overall it was Duke doing what it could to get to the free throw line and get the points there when the shots aren't falling. Um, and Michigan State. Um, you know, didn't do that. They, they, I think went seven for 12 and Duke had 30, um, free throw attempts. So that was the game right there. Um, so, um, whether Michigan state's capable of that or should be doing that, um, that's what worked for Duke and it didn't work for Michigan state. But, you know, I also, man, it felt like there were so many times where they're just, they're throwing it down low to the post because that's like, that's the program. Like that's what they've always done. But like at a certain point, it's like, that's not it, like it should be a high percentage shot, but it's not given the personnel right now. Um, you know, you can get Madi Sissoko the ball, you know, two feet from the hoop. But if Kyle Filipowski is standing over him, like it's not a high percentage play. And and AJ zips a lot of passes in there and the big men don't always have the hands for that. You know what I mean? So it's like I think it would benefit them if they if they cut cut back on that. I understand, you know, balance and, you know, inside and outside and everything. But 
I felt like three or four times they're looking for that. And it's like, man, that's just not going to generate points for this team. Yeah. And the one center they have on the roster that, you know, is kind of built that into his game is not healthy right now. And that's Jackson Kohler. He's the guy you can throw it to where he does have some legitimate post moves, good footwork down there. But I don't know if he's saving you last night because he's smaller and Kyle Filipowski's huge and athletic, but. Yeah, defensively, he's going to be an issue. But I just mean if you're talking about, you know, trying to get a bucket close to the basket. The center, you know, center was a huge topic of con- Mati Sissoko did not have a good game. You know, he was he was trying. He had his high effort per usual. He's a great kid um, by all accounts. And he's trying out there. You know, he's trying to be aggressive on the rebounds. But we're in year four now, Kyle, and he still has that runaway train aspect to his game. He just doesn't really play under control. His offensive game has not come around. Um, and he, he really just is still getting lost on defense in times when he shouldn't, when Carson Cooper's out there, you can see it. Carson Cooper just has way better movement with his body. He's way more fluid. He, he does a way better job on the hedging and then getting back in front of the big man. He's setting better screens. He just seems to be playing more under control than Mati Sissoko is. And the calls are starting to get louder for a, a change at center. I know we talked about Malik Hall and Cohen Carr. That doesn't seem like it's going to happen. And I think we can talk about it, but I think Malik Carr showed last night why he has to play for this team. But the center spot, center and point guard were not good enough last night. We can talk about that too. But it just seems like Co- uh, Carson Cooper has badly outplayed Monty Sissoko at this point. And I, I just think you have to look at a change there. But what are you seeing? You know, I... I'm not sure how much of a change you can really make with those two um, because I can either of them really manage more than 25 minutes a game. No. Um, so, I mean, you could change the lineup and maybe, maybe that's a bit of a spark, but I don't think you can make like some huge change in minutes. Like I think they're both playing between 15 and 25. Um, and um, so when Jackson Kohler gets healthy, if he starts looking good, then you've got some changes you can make and you've got decisions to make. But for now it's like, yeah, I think you can shift slightly in the direction of um, Carson Cooper. I mean, Cooper hasn't blown me away, but I I think he's been um, slightly better, and I think he's got more potential. Um, so I would probably be shifting a few more minutes his way, uh, which I think they would have done last night. He was in more foul trouble, but uh, had the eight rebounds last night. Um, I agree, just better athleticism, more under control, um, and feels like he's the better option. Although, um, you know, Monty, Monty just had a tough game. Point guard is point guard's getting interesting to me because I still feel like AJ Hogard is going to come around, but man, it's it's been three bad games to start the year. And and he'd be the first to tell you. I mean, in, most interesting thing I heard from Time Israel last night is AJ Hogard walks in the locker room after the game, looks at Tom Izzo and says, If I keep playing like this, you should bench me. Which, you know, Izzo appreciated it. It's a level of accountability. I I, I don't I don't think that's going to happen, but yet you do have to wonder if there's a point where um, where they think about that. I think Izzo will probably stick with Hogard quite a bit longer, and I think probably until he snaps out of whatever this is. But um, worth trying to start thinking about. Um, I mean, Jeremy Fears has looked like a freshman. Um, it's not like he's. I don't think he's banging on the door or anything, but. Um, I don't know. It's start, it's worth starting to at least think about that, or, or maybe trying to trying to get fears in there a little bit more. I mean, it felt like AJ got a kind of quick pull last night early in the game, where he had um, he had a turnover and he was out before the media timeout, which is earlier than normal for him. So I think I, I think that leash has maybe gotten a little bit shorter already. It's just so frustrating with AJ Hogard, man, because you see these flashes like. You saw times last night when he turns that corner and he gets downhill and uses his body to get to the rim. It was the only basket he got all night, but that was big. I was going to say one for eight, but it was a good basket, but yeah, it was the one. (laughs) 
That was vintage AJ Hogarth, though, mm-hmm. right? Like, turn the corner, use your physicality, get to the basket. If not, kick it to someone else. Like, that's his game. And, you know, when Michigan State made their run early in the second half, getting the fast break going, AJ Hogarth, I think you and me both noted it on Twitter. They're making, he's making the passes in the fast break that, you know, we've seen him do. He's being decisive and purposeful with his movements. And it's just, but then two plays later, you'll see him like with his head down or slugging around on defense or playing help defense way too far off. The best shooter Duke has on the floor, he makes back-to-back threes, and that's the ball game. You know, it's just this is year four. He's a senior point guard at Michigan State, and that we talked about it at length. That position, fair or not, is held to a very, very high regard in Tom Izzo's book for obvious reasons because of the guys who have played there before him and. Hogarth's just not doing it consistently enough right now. And Michigan State, the other guys aren't ready. You said it. I don't know why Trey Holloman's playing so much more than Jeremy Fears. So I guess that's kind of a question that you could look at. But A.J. Hogarth, much like Malik Hall at the four spot, is going to have to do it for this team if they're going to reach their ceiling because those other guys, definitely not in November, they're not ready. No, uh, they're not. I mean, the idea that the freshmen are going to be able to ride in and turn this team around, I mean – I think by the end of the year, some of those guys are going to be contributing more um, and are going to make this team better. But there's there's not there's not one guy that you're going to dramatically increase his role. And um, and um, it's going to make a change. I mean, Colin Carr played 12 minutes last night. I thought he was the best of the freshmen. But I, like, I don't know if you could look when they were playing Duke was playing defense on him. Like when he was out of the three point line. Like I could have driven my Mercedes between him and his defender. Like they, they basically stand in the paint and they just don't even guard him, which is like, that's going to be a problem for a team that already can't score underneath. Um, he's clogging up lanes. Um, so yeah, he's athletic, but him not being able to shoot. I mean, it's going to be an issue, um, for this team and it's already kind of become one. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're all coming around. I mean, Xavier Booker played five minutes. I know people, you know, thought he should have been more, but, Duke's big and physical. You know, it's hard to hard to compete against that. And give John Shire, give Duke credit. You know, when Tyson Walker started getting going in the second half there, they they basically just disregarded the screener and double teamed Tyson Walker and just said, get rid of the ball or do something with it, buddy. And that was a, <laughs> a big factor in sort of chilling him out. I know Tom Izzo wasn't super happy with Tyson uh, for being a little reluctant to shoot the ball in the first half and kind of not waiting waiting too long to kind of get into his rhythm. Uh, you know, he missed a couple open looks. I think he got, he felt like he got fouled on that one mid range jumper that he missed, but uh, you know, they, they need, they need it from Tyson for the whole game. He has to score for this team, but there's just too much of Tyson Walker being the only guy on this team that opposing teams are fearing right now when it comes to being a consistent offensive threat. And that's a problem. So Malik Hall, I think we saw last night what he can do when he's right. You know, he was being physical, maybe a little too physical at times, but getting to the bucket, you know, 18 points. I think they need more than three rebounds from him. Um, Still had a couple sort of brain fart moments, but he showed why he is a key part of this team and why, you know, why he's going to be on the floor. So I think if you're looking for a positive, you kind of got Malik Hall going. Now if you could just get AJ Hogard going, you know, Aikens, you know, still rebounding. The shot isn't falling, but I'm not, I'm not as worried about him. He seems engaged. Uh, He's going to be on the floor, but AJ and Hall, you know, if they can just get them both going to where we know they're capable of, I think this team can start to turn things around in the right direction. And I guess it starts with seeing shots go through the basket because that does have a mental effect on the whole team. When you're, when you're just playing defense and you're trying to rebound and you're battling and every shot you make is a super hard basket and you just can't get the easy ones to fall. I think that does have a psychological effect on the team, but uh, Malik, you know, it was, it was promising from him last night. Yeah. That game changed in the second half when he had, he had started to get things going, was feeling it. Um, 
and they were I forget what they're back with him, but they were had gotten pretty close. And then he got he, three he, multiple times. Yeah, yeah. but it, he got back to back fouls. You know, he he threw the elbow into Filipowski, gets called, and then gets called defending him at the other end. And that was three and three and four for him. Has to go set, and Duke went on a run after that. And that that was just a momentum killer. They got back, I think, within three again. Um, so they weren't totally out of it after that. But uh, you know, really unfortunate stretch for Michigan State because yeah, I mean what. Malik Hall, like we talked about, he's hot and cold, but when he's hot, he can um, he can do some things. Um, and yeah, seeing him get going last night was a positive sign for them. So it wasn't just Tyson Walker. They had two guys going last night, but uh, two doing well and two not doing well of their kind of big four, um, probably not going to be enough against a team like Duke. Although, big picture, they were better last night than they were against James Madison. Um, I thought pretty significantly, especially in that second half. Um, in the first half, it was just about shots not falling. So um, I still think they're trending in the right direction. Uh, losing by single digits on a neutral court to Duke isn't the worst loss in the world, obviously. So um, big picture, I, I I thought there were, I want to say more positives than negatives, but last night was not like a skies falling moment to me. It looked more like Michigan State basketball in the second half, you know, yeah. with the fat defend rebound run, you know, making open shots, having the ball not stick, moving around, running their sets, um, Malik Hall being aggressive. I mean, that's what Michigan State wants to do. And if they didn't have such a terrible shooting half in the first half, you know, who knows if they aren't down double digits going into the second half, it might be a different story here. But uh, I think we can pretty much establish that Michigan State is not the top five team that they were projected to be in the preseason. I think that it's pretty fair to say that the run in March last year uh, maybe got people a little bit over their over their toes on Michigan State. I don't even know if they're a top 25 team the way they're playing right now, Kyle, but I do think they will be there by the end of the year because there's just too much talent. You have a Hall of Fame coach on the sideline. These guys have shown this group that they're a quality basketball team for multiple years now. It's just, I think, going to take a little bit longer than people might have expected, at least nationally. Do you still feel that way? Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I mean, how many times have we had this conversation in November? Michigan State's not as good as we thought they'd be. You know, they lose the game to Duke. Um, obviously, don't often drop the James Madison game. But, you know, this is pretty standard for this program. Not not as good as we thought they'd be in November. Um, I still think by March they will be they will be just fine. Uh, I mean, maybe not. I mean, they're maybe not a number one seed. Uh, you know, as you know, some might have projected, but they'll be in the mix because um, I, I think this group's going to come together. I think it's been more of an adjustment than people thought. I know they really only lost um, Joey Hauser from last year, but it's you know every group's different. Um, and it, it's taken a while, you know, taken longer for this group to, to come together. But um, I still think they'll be fine. Can the, the football writer weigh in and tell you that it is a long season in basketball and unlike football, it's not over really when with one or two losses early in the season. So, I mean, look at the look at the difference in the year. You know, you go back to last year's um, was it called the Tournament of Champions, right? Yes, yes, the tournament of champions. <laughs> yes, the tournament. Go back to last year's tournament of champions, and you know, hey, you're coming off almost beating Gonzaga on the aircraft carrier. You're beating Kentucky. Mati Sosko looks like the best player you've got on your team for a minute. Oh gosh, yeah, that was a fun week. Things change in a hurry, and I, I mean, there's obvious weaknesses with this roster, um, but I, I wouldn't be 
wouldn't be jumping off the uh, the bandwagon yet for this team. There's there's a lot of talent there. That being said, uh, Butler looks better. They haven't really played anyone, so I don't know for sure. But Butler looks better, and Arizona obviously just won at Duke um, and looks very good. So um, going to be tough uh, for the next week, too, as well. Week plus. Yeah, Butler on Friday. Big program game at the Breslin Center. They've beaten, Kyle, to your point, Eastern Michigan, Southeast Missouri State. And East Tennessee State, you know, kind of a rebuilt Butler roster. Uh, Posh Alexander is their point guard. He's kind of a defensive-minded guy who's been shooting better this year, but he's not really known as a shooter. He's leading the way for the team right now. Uh, this is some guy named Pierre Brooks is uh, playing 25 minutes on this team. And uh, <laughs> I don't think, you know, we knew that, you know, Pierre Brooks was going to be playing, you know, revenge game back at the Breslin Center. Uh, but, you know, he's a big piece for Butler. He's playing a lot of minutes for them and, you know, He's not shooting it well either. So for those of you that I've, I've seen some people say, oh, we could really use Pierre Brooks is shooting right now. Uh, he's not shooting well right now either. So I'm not sure that would uh, 29% for the season. So I'm not sure that would be the thing. And, you know, we know what his limitations were on the Michigan State roster last year. But this just feels like a big program game to me, Kyle. Like Butler is picked near the bottom of the Big East. It's obviously at least a name brand opponent, but you have them on your home floor. Um, and it, you really need to come in and, and take care of business and show that, you know, you are the team that's picked in the top two of the Big Ten or at least going to be a top five contender. Just just take care of business. You see the shots go down. I really do think the rest of the stuff will follow. But this is still a legitimate program coming to the Breslin Center that you're going to have to be ready to play. Yeah. Um, it, it, you drop that game and you're looking at Arizona. I mean, that could be a, a, a pretty bad start to the season and you could be really behind the eight ball. So, yeah, big program game. Your, your mention of a shooter got me mentioned thinking of the one note that we should probably note from the last week, which is that Garrick Normand shooter freshman is officially going, not officially is probably going to redshirt. Um, uh, that is the plan for now. Although you can always unredshirt or take off a red shirt or whatever you call it. Um, but as of now, the plan is for him to not play at all this year. Obviously in basketball, it's not like football. If you're going to redshirt, you can play 0.0 minutes. Um, so you won't see him. But if they feel like um, he should play or they need him or they he's ready to play, then they'll change that decision. Although that would probably only be in like December. Like you're not going to decide in February to take the redshirt off him and have him play a couple games. Like if you decide to, that he's going to play the season, uh, this is kind of really back to our Keaton Hauser discussion there, Matt. Uh, if you're going to get him in there um, – you know, get him some actual runs. So um, we're going to have that conversation in a second here, Kyle. So nice, uh, nice tease there. But there we go. I segued. Did they indicate why? Is he just he's just not ready or is. Yeah, I mean, he's 6'5", 190. Uh, he's just got to get stronger. So cool. Anything else on hoops? I mean, uh, people are panicking. It's like a November tradition in this state for people to think that Michigan State is not going to be, you know, in the mix by March. There's just too much talent, too much experience uh, on this team for that to be the case. But uh, anything else? If, if they weren't if they weren't defending well or they had some other big structural issues, but it, it's guys who have hit shots before that aren't hitting shots. Um, they were up by six late on James Madison. You know, it's like you, you close that out. Um, then you've, then, you know, you've got one loss and you play Duke close, you know, like, I don't know. I, I, they've got issues, but I don't see any of them as like really big, um, really big issues. And newsflash, they're not the only program or team with issues right now. Go look at Maryland. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So, uh, USC lost last night. If we're supposed to win the Pac-12. They lost to UC Davis or someone. So like it happens, man. Uh, Villanova lost to Penn. Like it happens. This is college basketball. It's a long season. Uh, all right, let's let's flip to football here real quick. Um, you know, Michigan State 
got crushed predictably by Ohio State. You know, 38-3 final. I think Ohio State kind of laid off the gas there and kind of coasted in the second half. But it wasn't a game that Michigan State was expected to have much chance in, Matt, and that ended up being the case. Yeah, I mean, there was absolutely nothing about what transpired last week that was even moderately a surprise. I mean, this is exactly how you thought it would go down. They, Ohio State's got one of the uh, top five defense. Michigan State can't move the ball offensively, and Ohio State have, has Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, going up against a true freshman. I mean, I don't. It, it was they are who we thought they are, you know, or they, you know, whatever the old Dennis Green quote was. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's November. Your your team identities are firmly established at this point in time. Ohio State is competing to be a in the to win a Big Ten title and and get in the playoff. Michigan State is going to finish with two or three wins. That's just, I'm sorry, three or four wins. Uh, don't want to take one away there. <laughs> yeah, come on now. <laughs> but, you know, that's just, I mean, that's where they're at right now. There's the talent gap between the two programs remains enormous. You know, even two years ago when, when they were playing in Columbus for, you know, this that was for, you know, Big Ten first place in the East and all that. And, and they get absolutely housed. And it's been They've been non-competitive against Ohio State, and a lot has to change um, to change to, for that to not be the case anymore. That trend. Yeah, I mean, they. I think they battled. I really do think the guys who were out there tried. You know, they had some good plays on offense. They moved the ball a little bit. Couldn't finish anything in the red zone. Took some bizarre long field goal attempts and were punting from like that. 50 yard line on fourth and two. I don't know what they're doing that for. Like it's going to be a close game or anything, but uh, you know, I think the guys tried. It's just like, like what can Michigan state do to kind of close this gap? You know, before Mel Tucker was fired, we heard him talking about it constantly. Everything he did was in recruiting to try and close the gap between them and teams like Michigan and Ohio state. But like, you know, there's been a lot of chatter about how Mel Tucker kind of uh, basically ditched Ohio for a large part of his tenure here in recruiting and, you know, D'Antonio kind of thrived off getting those overlooked guys from Ohio and getting them worked up to, to play the Buckeyes and play the team that didn't want them. Um, you know, I think the new coach is going to have to put a new renewed emphasis on regional recruiting instead of kind of the national scope that Mel was trying to do. But like, I don't know, man, it, it just seems like the have and the have nots are getting bigger. It feels like the gap is getting bigger in college football in general. I just don't know, like what can Michigan state do to try and close this down? Um, Next coach, when they're hired and should be less than a month, obviously, they need to quickly identify the talent on the roster that they really want to keep, make their pitch to keep these young players. And there, there's talent there. I mean, if you don't want a Jordan Hall or a Chance Rucker or a Dylan Tatum or, or you know, you know, your safeties, Magnus, you don't want those guys leaving. I mean, those guys, you know, there's promise there. You know, Jalen Thompson, you know, these guys emerged as a true freshman. He's been a you know, good playmaker. You need to keep who you who you want to keep, salvage what's left of the recruiting class this cycle, and and build from there. You know, this isn't going to be an instant turnaround. I mean, you can see how quickly things can change, but you know, not not to go back too far in history. But Michigan State overachieved in 2021, clearly through the help of <laughs> largely Kenneth Walker, and they were what six and zero in, in games decided by ten points or less. I mean. That team maxim got everything out of it it was going to get, and that hasn't been the case since. Um, so next coach needs to uh, figure it out quickly because uh, you're, you're staring down last place in the Big Ten this season, two years after going to a New Year's Six Bowl game.
you wrote about Sam Levitt and you know, he is officially taking a red shirt this year. It's the right, it's the right move. I mean, from a logical standpoint, there's no reason for him to burn a red shirt and play in these, let's face it, meaningless football games for Michigan state. But you know, you've had some comments about the overall usage on the season, or at least you wrote about it. Yeah. I mean, and, and Harlan called it what it was when I asked him Monday morning quarterback, you know, hindsight's 2020 and he's right. But you know, at this point in time, now you look back and think, well, that could have been a lot different. I mean, when he, he made his debut against Maryland late for one series and a throwaway, I mean, the game was over at that point. It's a 22-point game with, what, 90 seconds left or whatever. But, you know, at that point, Noah Kim was still starting, so you didn't see where this was going. But then the Michigan game, like, what was what was the point that, you know, by that point, you know, Hauser was the starter, and you knew Kim was hurt. And you, know, you throw him in there again in a game that it was pointless, you know, it was 49 to nothing. <laughs> not going to make a difference. You know, the Minnesota game is where you saw, okay, all right, now, now we, we have, we could have something here. The decision to then play him just every third series against um, Nebraska was puzzling to say the least. And you know, that the first one, you know, he takes over at the four, you know, and he, and he ends up leading the, the touchdown, the game winning touchdown drive in, in the fourth quarter. Um, it's easy to look back and say you could have handled it differently and they should have handled it differently. And, and you could have had, a, you could have got to the point now where you're saying, all right, here you go. Get a start. You, you still got, you got two games left and, and you've still got, you know, two games left on the schedule. You got two games left to, to keep your red shirt, go start and we'll see what you got. You know, I, I think that would have been, that would be, there'd be, I think there'd be a, not even, even if the win loss stuff was unchanged, there'd be a different feeling for the team going into, uh, into Bloomington this week. If, if they were, if Harlan had been like, all right, Sam Levin's going to start, we're going to see, you know, what we can get, you know, what he's got. And, and that would, you know, there could have been like just a different look because this, this offense, and it's not all on, on, on Hauser or whoever's at quarterback. This offense is terrible. I mean, I don't, I don't know what other way to put it. I mean, they have, you know, one touchdown drive in the last, what, 17 quarters. You know, there they, are only two teams in the, in the nation averaging fewer points per game. They haven't reached 300 yards since Noah Kim in a, in a game in total offense since Noah Kim was the starter. That was at Iowa, you know, 182 yards last week, which is, you know, tied what they had against Michigan. And he just, well, their longest drive was what, like 30 some yards last week. I mean, yeah, they came out, you know, scheming up a little bit, get get Hauser throwing and get across midfield and and then nothing. And then, you know, what, four, first four drives last week, they got in Ohio State territory and, you know, you managed uh, two long field goals comes out of it. So, yeah, I, I don't know. They, they just they don't have the playmakers on offense. And granted, there, there's a lot of injury problems, but they don't have a Keon Coleman. <laughs> they don't have a Jaden Reed. Um, that's, I mean, that, that makes a difference. So yeah, I, I don't know. They, they, they need, uh, they need more, more guys that, uh, can, uh, be game breakers and, and they just don't have those on the field right now. Yeah. And now you, you got a game this weekend noon against, uh, Indiana on the big 10 network. That is, yeah, it's the battle for the old brass platoon. It's also the battle for the big 10 basement. So, uh, you know, I don't think we need to get into that game too much. Everyone knows the situation. It's two bottom feeder teams. Somebody's going to get their, uh, what third, fourth win of the season, fourth win of the season. And the other one is uh, looking like a last place finish in the big 10. But if you're Michigan state and you want to, you know, find something to build for, for next year, you would hope that you could go out and, and, and have a nice performance against Indiana. Although 
even when they've had good teams, Bloomington is a place where Michigan State has gotten tripped up before. So uh, you don't go in there expecting much. <laughs> no, no, and and they've got a you know they got a little bit of a spark with uh, Sorsby now at quarterback. I mean, he threw for he had what three touchdown passes and I think ran for two scores last week in the over 45, 43 or whatever it was overtime loss. Don't I? I mean, five touchdowns. I think. I think Michigan State has five touchdowns in the last five games combined. So, um, you know, I I will say this. These guys, to their credit, and I've said it about every week for two months now, to their credit, they haven't folded. These guys are out there. You know, they're trying. They're they're playing hard. Um, But it, it has been a long season, to say the least. It will all be over soon, Matt. It will all be over soon. Uh, but, yeah, you'll be in Bloomington? Yep, I will. Have fun with that. I'm sure it'll be wonderful. Here it's nice this time of your biggest game of the week. Matt Wenzel will be on the scene. And Kyle will obviously be at the Breslin Center on Friday and Sunday. Michigan State plays Alcorn State on Sunday, so don't forget about that one. But hopefully by the next time we talk to you before that Arizona game, Michigan State will have a couple wins and maybe those shots will start falling and uh, maybe the team will just, you know, get on get on a run here. We've seen it happen in the past. So for Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel, appreciate everyone for listening. We'll talk to you next time and go green.